0: Good morning, Michael. You know, it's a special day, don't you? No, I don't. May the 4th be with you. May the 4th be with you. May the 4th be with you. Football family, it's a great day.
1: I made it clear last night that if we opened with that, I was going to walk off. Now, we didn't open with that, so I won't walk off. I thought about walking off, though. How about Peter King as Obi-Wan Kenobi? That's one of the various characters that Chris Sims was unable. And, and let's make sure everyone understands this. To the extent you're joining us now, if you are, good morning. Hello, how are you? Chris gave me the whole may the fourth be with you thing over and over again because I made it clear I didn't want that in the show today. Um, so I said to him, fine, name four characters from Star Wars now. Go. And he said, Luke, Chewie, Layla, and then he gave up. And here's a tweet from Daniel Scafe. I haven't watched a second of a Star Wars movie in my life. And I could name you five characters off the top of my head right now after someone just woke me up from a deep sleep. So uh, well done, Christopher. Good morning, everyone. Hello to our good friends in the UK and in Ireland. Seeing us live at noon British summertime we have figured out the various time zones it is 8 2 a.m in the east of uh, the United States and here we are on this Monday morning and Chris I have good news are you ready for some good news you know it let me hear it do you want some good news here's the good news I spent a lot of time this weekend trying to answer the fundamental question of whether or not there will be an NFL season this year and I was told and I believe it that there is an extremely small chance that there will not be an NFL season. Extremely small. And I said, okay, so what is it going to take to hit that extremely small chance of no NFL season? And basically, it would have to be that the understanding that has been developed to date regarding the coronavirus, the COVID-19 condition, everything they've learned, they would have to determine that they were dramatically and fundamentally wrong on so many of the things they already know. And if they are right about the things they've learned, and so much has been learned over the last 6, 8, 12 weeks about this virus, and it just continues to accumulate, and it accumulates quickly, out of sight. A lot of stuff happening that we don't know about. We're caught up in the news and the immediacy and the statements and the experts and the warnings and the guidelines. A lot of stuff is happening. Scientists are making strides behind the scenes, Chris. And the big factor is this. The anticipated availability of an explosion in testing, quick and efficient and easy testing, saliva testing, not that gigantic alien probe that has to go up your nose and scrape the back of your brain that we've all seen horrific videos of. Quick and easy testing, quick and easy results available for everyone. By August, I'm told that is where we will be, that there are factories that are making these things by the millions. And so that's where the good news comes from, because look, unless they're going to do biodome football where they put everybody in Florida or Arizona or Area 51 or the Antarctic and keep them there for the full football season, you're going to have to test everyone every day when they show up at the facility to make sure they're not positive. It sounds like, based on where things are, that's where we'll be by the time football season rolls around, which makes it even more likely that they're going to get the season in. So that was very encouraging to me over the weekend. That gave me a little lift over the weekend. There's still a lot of concern. There's reason to be concerned. There's reason for people who are in the risk groups to be careful. But it looks like they're going to be able to pull this off one way or the other, Chris.
0: Well, they certainly seem feel they they certainly seem confident. You know, I, I know that the message has not changed from ownership from the very get-go. They've been very steadfast on we're going to have football in 2020. And I know that's, you know, the same themes that are being pushed to some of my coach friends throughout the NFL. You know, they, they feel like ownership isn't batting an eye and they feel like things will be done within society that are going to put the NFL in position to be able to have this season. You know, I do. Hey, listen, there's a lot of things that go into this. And of course the testing is the biggest thing, right, Mike, you know, but this is, uh, a, a lot of money, of course, to be made or missed from the NFL, these players being young and what they look at as being indestructible anyways, I think the majority are going to want to play. Yes, there's risk. But I think, you know, like you said, is if we have this influx of testing, that can certainly make it very, very possible. And to where, hey, yes, we're still going to have to be careful as a society, And the teams and players will have to be careful too. It's not that you're going to be able to like, oh, you know, go to football practice and leave and go out and party in a room of thousands of thousands of people and have fun. No, you know, you're not going to be able to do that. You're still going to have to kind of live life the way we're living it right now, except you might have just the jurisdiction to go to practice and be tested and whatever else and come home. If you do go risk, you know, going to the bar or going to some club with a 1,000 people, and the next day you come in and test positive for COVID-19, you're injured, you're not playing this week, right. or we have to quarantine right. you. And that's how it's going to go. And if players want to take that risk, then that'll be on their on them to see if they want to be healthy and be able to play and contribute to their football team.
1: But isn't that the ultimate incentive to go home and stay home Definitely. and stay away Definitely. from other people? Because your team is counting on you. You are counting on you. You want to play. The idea that every time you show up at the facility, on Monday for film study, on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday for practice, Saturday for walkthrough, Sunday for games, if you are tested every single time, I don't want to compare this to marijuana testing, but ultimately if you test positive for marijuana, at least prior to this current CBA, enough times, you aren't allowed to play. And it doesn't matter whether it's punitive or why it's there, you don't get to play, period. Football players want to play. So for the same reasons that guys who were facing a potential suspension for an additional marijuana positive would realize, I better be careful. I want to play football. That same mindset is going to be there all year long. I want to play football. It doesn't matter whether or not I think I could fight off the coronavirus. It doesn't matter whether or not I think I would be an asymptomatic carrier of the germ. What matters is... If they swab my mouth and they rub it on the on the little card and it comes back positive, I'm done. I'm done for two weeks, three weeks, who knows how long. That's the ultimate incentive to get these guys to go straight home, stay home, and not go out and see other people.
0: I agreed. It is. It's the ultimate incentive. I mean, yes, and you would hope that would keep players on the straight and narrow. Let alone, you know, the human aspect of it too. Of course, professionally, yeah. These guys want to stay healthy and play and, you know, put good film out there in case they're a free agent after next year and they can strike it rich and make money that way. So you want to be able to be available on the field. But the other aspect too is, you know, do you really want to be that jerk in the locker room who did go to the club and now, Oh, comes in and, you know, puts people at risk, whether that's older coaches on the coaching staff or older men that are in the front office, uh, or anybody else, you're just you're going to be endangering people that way too. So I think between the ability to play and the fact of you don't want to be the jerk that brings it into some you know facility, organization, or endanger anybody in your family or professionally, uh, I would think that leads to players being very strict and making this happen. I'm, I'm hopeful. I really am. You know, again, I'm just I know things aren't going to be normal by the time September comes around, but I just want us to keep you know going in that direction. And I do think watching football will be a great stress relief, Band-Aid, whatever the hell you want to call it for our country and all of us.
1: One of the reasons why the NFL spent so much time and effort and worry in the concussion litigation was because the argument was that the NFL had failed to properly advise players as to the risks they were taking, that it was covered up, that it was concealed, that it was hidden from them. The exact opposite is going to be the case as it relates to the coronavirus. The NFL will be very open, very clear in the warnings. And older coaches, Chris, as you mentioned, they'll be given the option to not coach. And the speculation that I was privy to over the weekend is that there would be some sort of compensation for them. If they choose not to accept the risk, this is going to be a risk that everyone knows about whether or not you accept that risk is on you. But it's going to be that individual decision recognizing, am I over 60? Do I have diabetes? Do I have other health conditions that could cause me to be at risk of a negative outcome? And here's the other thing, too. The treatment protocols are going to be much improved by the time we get to September, where the death rate for covid-19 Will be lower than it has been because they are figuring out every day, every hour, different ways to fight this, different ways to treat this. And the institutions that are figuring it out are sharing that information with other hospitals. So we'll be in a better spot. August, September is a long time from now. I know it's going to come quickly, but think of how much the world's changed since March 11, and it's only May 4. August 1 is a long, long time away, and a lot's going to change between now and then. And Chris, look. We've assumed that football will happen in empty stadiums. There's confidence that these stadiums will be open. Now, whether or not they're full is a different issue. But the people who are young and are confident that they're not going to suffer a serious outcome, they're going to be allowed to go to the games in well, the states that will allow congregations. Right. But you know, the other side of it, too, is the antibody testing. There will be... Thousands, if not tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people who know that they've already had the virus and their body has fought it off so they don't have to worry about catching it. That will allow people to say, I'm good to go, regardless of risk factors, regardless of anything. I'm good to go. I got my antibody bill of health here and I can go to football games. I can go to restaurants. I can go to clubs. I can do whatever. I've already had it.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, we gotta have it. We got, we need that. I mean, you know, forget about sports. We need it regardless just to get back to the normal life, you know, functions. But yes, I think if the antibody test is going around to where enough people could start to get it, you're right. I mean, a lot of people are going to realize, wow, I've already had it. Okay. I'm comfortable going to sit at stadium and hey, Mike, we're also seeing in society right now, you know, again, People weren't, hundreds of thousands of people weren't afraid to go on the beach in California. I'm not so sure they're going to feel that much more scared to go to a stadium. I understand it's a little closer quarters, but I think there is, you know, yeah, I think people will be willing to, you know, maybe take those type of chances. But hopefully the testing is so far down the line that we won't have to worry about stuff quite like that and really endangering ourselves for, you know, a second run at this whole thing.
1: Now, here's the thing. In order to get to the point where every state and the governors of those states where the NFL has stadiums will sign off on this, the start of the season may have to be delayed. That's why they're building in the possibility of a February 28 Super Bowl as opposed to February 7. That's why it's moving in that direction. In order to get 256 games, all of which are played in stadiums that are open, we may have to see a four-week shift. In the start of the season uh, I'd be fine with that if that happens if it means that it's going to be a level playing field for every game I you know I think we need to avoid competitive imbalance as much as we can Chris and there's no competitive imbalance like having to go Seattle in September with no fans there you know if let's look at it it's very simple let's say the 49ers get their trip to Seattle week two and there's no fans there the Rams go week 16 and and it's full and it's deafening, that is a clear competitive imbalance as it relates to the 49ers and the Rams. They're playing the Seahawks under dramatically different circumstances.
0: Well, yeah, that is, you know, I, I think that players better be prepared for that. You know, it, it just, it, it's just, it's going to be one of those years. You're not going to be able to use that as excuse. Hopefully they can find a schedule to where, you know, teams on a relative basis, how to play home and away games early in the year, you know, without crowds the same amount throughout the league to where one team, you know, isn't complaining going, you know, Hey, we played all our home games and no fans are here. And now late December, we had to go on a five game road trip and play all these road games. You know that, yeah, that would be a little unfair. Certainly. You're not going to be able to complain about it this year. No one's going to want to hear about it, but I would think those are the things the NFL needs to think about a little bit, certainly to keep the competitive balance fair to where, yeah, one team isn't swayed to go, Oh, well, you know, yep, we played five of our road games early in the year and we didn't have to deal with any crowd noise and we're, oh, we're undefeated on the road. You know, yeah, that will not be fair for the teams who maybe have a backloaded schedule to, to play on the road and then all of a sudden you're playing in front of 70,000, 80,000 people and it's a much tougher time as we know. Home field advantage is a real thing in the NFL.
1: Which, which means, again, if they can delay the start of the season by four weeks and get all of the games in with stadiums open, if that's what allows someone like Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, to say, okay, late September will allow the new stadium in Inglewood to have Rams and Chargers games, will allow the Santa Clara Stadium to have 49ers games. Those are all considerations that could cause this to be delayed, but still to get the full 16 games in. And as to the possibility of the NFL playing games on Saturday, Chris, that came up on Thursday. The New York Post reported the NFL is considering it. You and I have talked about that reality that if college football doesn't play between September and December, the NFL should backfill those vacancies on Saturday. I'm told that the NFL definitely would do something like that if there's no college football season, but that the NFL strongly prefers that there be a traditional college football season from September to December. Can you imagine how difficult it would be to scout an incoming class of 2021 draft picks without a college football season this year? Or if they move it from February to May, what the heck does the NFL do then to get guys properly screened for the draft? You're going to have to delay the draft and you're going to have to deal with the question, very, very real question. Is it right to let guys play a season that starts in September when they just finished in May? So it's a bunch of issues that the NFL would have to deal with. That's why they want college football season to happen September to December. But if it doesn't, if it doesn't, look for games to be moved from that cluster on Sunday into Saturday to give us uh, a, a, a you know a full weekend of NFL football every week if college football stands down, Chris.
0: Well we'll we'll have a, a, a certain group of our population on Saturday at twelve, you know, noon on a on a fall day gonna go, what what the hell do I do with my life? This is when I watch college football. This is I mean this is what we're programmed to be as American citizens. It's part of our culture. And you know, especially our sports culture and football is by far the king in our country as we know, when sports and emotions and rallying people together, you know, good or bad and and everything about it. Fantasy football, all those things. Yes you know, if there is no college football, I would think the NFL would capitalize on Saturday football games. The ratings are going to be through the roofs, you know, through the roof. Everybody's going to turn in, tune in. Everybody's going to be starving for it uh, at that point. But yes, I think the other thing is if there's no college football, it, that it's a two-year problem. You're right. It's going to affect a lot of things going into the 2021 season. And, you know, I, I also sit there and go, man, if I'm a college kid and I'm already looked at as being a high prospect going into the 2021 draft. If they tell me I got to play football starting in February, college football, I'm not so sure I signed up for that. I might just say, hey, chalk it up. I'll see you at the draft. Sorry, college football. Uh, I'm going to play NFL football next year. If you're Trevor Lawrence, there's no way in hell you're
1: playing. No No, no way. way Exactly right. No way in hell. None. Yep. No. Um, the, the thing about Saturday football, though, and we need to take a break after this, but Big Cat made this point on Friday. You do run into the the possibility of dilution, of getting a game that gets plucked out of that, that slate of 1 p.m. Eastern time kickoffs on a Sunday. You move it to a standalone. That's one of the issues with Thursday night football. It's not that Thursday night football is bad per se. It's that if you isolate any game from a nine-game uh, window – where they all happen at once. Yeah. There's a chance the one you pull out, isn't going to be very good. So if you start pulling more games out of that one o'clock Eastern window and dropping them into individualized time slots, there's a chance we're going to be like, why in the hell are we watching this? Well, um, so I get that, that that's but, part
0: of the risk. Well, I, I, you're right. It is, it, it won't be perfect. Hopefully it'll be more than one game, right? Hopefully on a Saturday, we'll be able to watch three or four games, but I'll come back to this reasoning, man, People tune in to watch Ohio State win sixty-two to ten every Saturday, and they <laughs> <That's> so <true. laughs> you know what I mean. So I don't know if it's going to really matter in the big scheme of things.
1: And and look for it to be something like a streaming option, whether it's ESPN Plus or Amazon Prime or something like that. The networks, the traditional broadcast networks, are, are not going to want to to pay for more windows on a Saturday in a year where it's going to be hard enough to monetize the windows on a Sunday because of potential reduction in advertising revenue and uh, uh the nfl if the nfl wants to make it work they'll find a way to make it work that's and right if there is no college football on saturdays in the fall get ready for nfl on saturday sunday monday thursday and why not throw it in for friday <laughs> night also because i don't Seriously. think it's gonna be high school football. there's no college football there's not gonna be high school football either no. All right, let's take a break right. Right. the bears are not picking up mitchell trubisky's fifth-year option. What does that mean for his future in Chicago? We'll discuss that next right here on Pro Football Talk Live. All right, the fifth-year option deadline for the 2017 first-round picks in the NFL draft arrives today. We know all but one of them, I believe. We know all of them in the top ten. And look, not that long ago, I was making the point, Chris, that uh the draft is a crapshoot and as the first round is unfolding and you're hearing from all the draft analysts how great these guys are no one ever says oh you know what half of these guys are gonna stink and look at the top 10 from 2017 half of the guys are not having their fifth year option picked up which means they stink all due respect they aren't what they were believed to be when they were made top 10 picks. This is the prime example of that dynamic that you and your dad were talking about last week where guys show up at the NFL and it's grown-ass men and some guys respond and some guys never do. And half of the top 10 not responding to the level where their teams view it as a no-brainer to take that fifth-year option.
0: No, I mean, hey, Mike, I mean, you're right. I mean, there's no doubt. As we know, it's it's calculated risk, calculated you know assessments as far as the draft is concerned, you know, and and I don't know if a lot of people realize this, but the success rate for second and third round picks is, I I believe still it was at least like a year ago, greater than the first round picks. So, you know, a lot of the times these top 10 picks, top 20 picks are drafted on potential or having a special trait that the NFL looked at and said, Ooh, I like this special trait. This guy has I think I can make this trait into a superstar player. And within that you're going to have busts sometimes. And that this, you know, that draft we're talking about uh is certainly underwhelming when you start to get into those names. You know, and I think some of them are questionable at the time. They really were. Um but it's the way the draft fell out that year and yeah, I'm not shocked by any of these. Are you Mike? I mean, Uh, The only one I could sit here and go a little bit, I thought maybe Leonard Fournette had a chance. But because of what he's done off the field and, you know, spouting off against Cam Newton, I think they're probably a little sick of his antics. You know, other than that, I'm not I'm not shocked by any of these other, you know, these names as far as Trubisky, Thomas, Fournette, Davis and Ross are concerned.
1: Yeah, I mean, between the concerns about Leonard Fournette being a pain in the butt for the folks in Jacksonville and they tried to trade him and maybe would still like to try to trade him and maybe he is more tradable with only one year left on his contract and not that fifth-year option that is guaranteed sure. for injury. And of all the positions, running back is the one where you could get a serious injury. That And here's how it works. Any injury he would have this year that would keep him from passing a physical Before the start of the next league year, when this money becomes fully guaranteed, you can't cut him if he can't pass a physical. Therefore, you are stuck. You can't cut him if he can't pass a physical because his salary is guaranteed for injury. It then becomes fully guaranteed next March. Bottom line is, you're stuck with that salary, whether you have him on the team or not. That is why so many of these teams are shying away from picking up these options. Because, look... It does give you control of the guy for one more year, but you carry around that risk. that let's say we get to week 17, and there's some sort of injury that happens then, and he has to have surgery, and if you can't pass that physical before the start of the league year in March, you are stuck with that full salary. That's why Washington had RG3 in bubble wrap for all of the 2015 season, when Kirk Cousins became the unquestioned starter. They did not want RG3 to get injured, and then have that injury guaranteed salary for the next year uh, wrapped, uh, you know, up in their in their uh, their salary cap and also the cash commitment. So th- that's why you just don't pick up the option. You just don't do it. No.
0: And that's why half of the guys in the top ten didn't have their options picked up, Chris. No, that's right. They're they're, they're not worth it, you know. And, and to what you're saying with the running back position, Mike. I'll just even further it to where. Yeah, you don't make uh, you, you don't exercise the fifth-year option unless you're just totally sold on the guy. And oh man, we know he's going to be here for three or four more years. You know, with a guy like Leonard Fournette too. Where I'll just throw in this into the conversation for food for thought. You know, with these running backs and their short shelf lives too. You know, if you're Jacksonville and Leonard Fournette is on your roster to start the season and starts to put together a really good year, you know, week eight, week ten come around. You dangle out a big contract for some of these running backs. I, I I don't think they're gonna. It's it's hard for them to turn around, turn it down when you're playing that physical position too. So it's not like Jacksonville's dead and gone just because they didn't fifth year option Leonard Fournette and this is totally done, you know, done forever. You know, again, like I said, I think if Leonard Fournette's playing like one of the best running backs in football, and they throw out, you know nine, $10 million a year type contract with some guarantee for a few years that sues them over. You know, I think most running backs in football are going to are going to bite the hook on that one and go, you know what? I'll take it. It's security right now. It's cash in my pocket. I got seven more games to go this season and I know I play running back and a lot of bad things can happen too. So I think that empowers at least teams in the organizational standpoint at the running back position in these type of conversations.
1: Assuming Fournette fits with the new Jay Gruden offense in Jacksonville, I'm not so sure he does, which I think is one of the reasons, one of the many reasons why they were thinking about trying to trade him. As it relates to Mitchell Trubisky, Big Cat and I were talking about this on Friday because he's a big Bears fan, and I think he's conflicted about what's happening with Trubisky. But, you know, the best case scenario for the Bears really would be to have between the presence of Nick Foles and the decision not to pick up the fifth-year option for Trubisky be that thing that really wakes him up, and to have Trubisky win the starting job over Nick Foles. Nick Foles would be one hell of a great teammate, one great backup, a great insurance policy in the event Trubisky got injured. And then Trubisky has a surprisingly good year. Good problem to have if you're the Bears that you don't have the guy under the fifth-year option 2021. I mean, look, the worst case scenario would be having to use the franchise tag on him next year. And I don't think he's going to play so well that that would be in play. But you know, sometimes you can wake a guy up by not using the fifth year option. Remember when the Buccaneers had Doug Martin under contract and didn't pick up his fifth year option and he had a great contract year and they had to sign him to a much larger money deal, Chris, that can happen. And you know what? Good problem to have. If this is the thing that finally gets the guy to be the guy that we thought he was going to be,
0: so be it. Yeah. The big thing is, you know, again, this is a team that went 12-4 and with him just two years ago. What if he goes 12-4 and again, right? And, you know, doesn't play like one of the top five quarterbacks in football, but plays good football, you know, to like what you're saying, and all of a sudden you go, oh, okay, well, what are you going to do? Are you going to just ship him, you know, down the river and go, oh, we're going to get somebody else new? You know, listen, I feel bad for Mitchell Trubisky in a lot of ways. You know, one, his rookie year, he got part of a uh, a Chicago Bears team at that point that they, you know, did did him an injustice with the talent they had around them. I mean, Mike, they were starting games that year, his rookie year, with Tariq Cohen as, Cohen as one of their starting receivers. Not running back, not third down running back. They would come out and play two running backs, one tight end and two receivers, and the roster failed Mitchell Trubisky to such a – such a drastic point that they had to make Tariq Cohn one of the starting receivers. You know, then year two, he gets with Matt Nagy, things go well. Year three, all right, yeah, the team had some issues last year. The offense stunk. It fell apart. It never changed from the year, and Trubisky didn't play well. So uh, I, I do feel bad for him. I do, and I think he gets a lot of crap because of where a team drafted him. He didn't ask to be drafted before Mahomes and Watson, uh, but I certainly understand the Bears' decision here
1: all right the big news of the weekend Andy Dalton taking a job with the Dallas Cowboys as the backup to Dak Prescott that follows Jameis Winston joining the Saints so why not have a draft today of the best backup quarterbacks in the National Football League spoiler alert it's easier to name Star Wars characters than it is to come up with a good (laughs) list of backup quarterbacks in the NFL we'll be back with more pro football talk live right after this If you want to win the Super Bowl you better have a competent backup quarterback because sometimes that guy needs to play and sometimes a guy like a Matt Moore needs to come in and win enough games to allow the Chiefs to hold the number one spot in the AFC playoff tree he was one and one last year when Patrick Mahomes was injured but as a practical matter, 2-1 and because he came in and won that game over the Denver Broncos, and you take either of those wins away, and the Chiefs are not the one seed, and who knows if they even get to the Super Bowl. So we're going to have a draft, Chris Sims, of the best backup quarterbacks currently in the NFL. Here is the trivia question. If you get it right, you get the first pick. Andy Dalton started a playoff game in each of his first four NFL seasons. He was injured in what would have been number five. Only three other quarterbacks have done that. Since 1950, one is Otto Graham. Name one of the other two.
0: Wow. And it's first four years as a starting quarterback. It's first four years, right?
1: Started a playoff game in each of his first four seasons. Otto Graham is one. Name one of the other two. And they are both active.
0: Oh, so I, I mean, I'm going to say Tom Brady. Does that count or is that not nope. count? Because Nope. Nope, because he didn't nah. play his rookie year. Damn. He didn't All right. Play. Well, Damn. he's
1: but but they didn't make the playoffs in two thousand two, right? So oh, you couldn't right. have started a I playoff forgot about game that too that year. Yeah. Yep. All right. The answer is Russell Wilson and Joe Flacco. Oh, Wilson. I mean, Wilson has had a winning record every year of his career. They missed the playoffs one year, and Flacco was in the playoffs five straight years to start his career. Hey, they wanted you to name both. I gave you a break. That's said, horrible.
0: Uh, I should know both. It just, it's just amazing how you can just, I just, yeah, I, I choked under the pressure. I don't know. I mean, I should know that. I didn't know that. I just couldn't come up under the time crunch. All
1: right. Uh, I get the board and I tell you what, there are, there are other days where it's better to have the first pick because this can go in a lot of different directions, but I have to stay on brand. I have to stay true to my form and true to my beliefs. Taysom Hill is a backup quarterback of the New Orleans Saints, and even though he would not be the game day backup, he's got a $21 million contract over the next two years. Jameis Winston has $1.1 million for this year. That tells you where they perceive the relative value. When you have a guy who was the best player on the field for either team in a playoff game in Taysom Hill, and he is a backup quarterback on the Saints depth chart, he is the top backup quarterback in the NFL, Chris
0: yeah i it it was I don't know if I would have picked him one or not. It was gonna be really close, but he's certainly on the list here yeah it's i mean it's it's a it's an interesting conversation with Taysom Hill because you yeah, know we do see the talent and all that. We just haven't seen him how to play a whole lot or do anything you know on a consistent basis, but yes, as far as the names that we have listed here. You know, I think his ceiling is about as high as anybody other than maybe the guy that's on the roster with him there already in uh, in New Orleans now anyways and James Winston. So, I'm not bad at you Matt, at you picking Taysom Hill. You know, yeah, he he's a great backup quarterback. And if he had to come in and be the real backup quarterback for the New Orleans Saints, you know, I think of course he could be successful and Sean Payton's going to, you know, scheme up some plays that really fit what Taysom Hill does and accentuate his his values and talents. So, It'll be a different type of ball game. All right, man. I don't know where I want to go here, but I'm gonna have to go with Nick Foles as my number one pick. I mean, when you're talking about backup quarterbacks, yeah, we don't know if he's a starter. He may or the be backup the starter. Right
1: now. How can you well, make? How can you say he's the best backup when, by all indications, he's going to be the starter?
0: I, we don't know. He took a pay cut. Tough crap. Right now, he's the backup, as we know. And I'm picking <laughs> him. Okay. <laughs> But, you know, as we've seen, of course, this is a guy that's a great backup for so many reasons. One, he doesn't have that big, intrusive personality. Uh, he's not trying to stab the starter in the back. And then, of course, we know he has the cool, calm collectiveness to come in in tight situations and perform. And he showed us the ultimate backup, you know, uh, merit in the fact that, He could take his team to the Super Bowl if he does have to come in and be the backup and not only take him to the Super Bowl, but win and be clutch in that moment. And because of that, I'm going to make him my first pick.
1: Yeah, and think back to that Super Bowl run. It was Nick Foles. It was Case Keenum. It was Tom Brady. And who was it? It was Blake Bortles. Tom Brady was the who doesn't belong and why in that quartet of quarterbacks. And uh, that's why, look. I was thinking to go Andy Dalton here, but Andy Dalton never won a playoff game. Case Keenum did, and it was on one of the most memorable plays we've ever seen in league history, the Minneapolis Miracle. Case Keenum, I I see a way that the dominoes fall in Cleveland this year, and it's going to take an injury to Baker Mayfield to really trigger it, but I could see Keenum play very, very well, well enough that whatever injury would open the door for Keenum to play may take a long time to heal. They may want to wait until Baker Mayfield is fully and completely 100% because I think Keenum reunited with Kevin Stefanski could be every bit as good as he was in 2017 with the Vikings. So I think Case Keenum, and, and it's not like he's going to come in and try to take over. He's going to support Baker Mayfield. But I, I think there there is a scenario where we see plenty of Case Keenum this year, and I think he would be great if that happened. So give me Case Keenum for my pick.
0: Yeah, that's. Uh, I had a feeling. I wasn't sure if you would pull the trigger on Case Keenum or not, but you know, yeah, I think your your his post Minnesota career has made you admire him more. You realize he had a pretty damn good year that year, and um, I I I you're you like this new angle with Case Keenum in Cleveland. I, I see that it's the second time you brought it up in the last two weeks. So uh, if that happens, holy cow, you're going to be puffing your chest out big time here. All right, well, I'm going to have to go with Andy Dalton as my next pick. I am. You know, again, I don't – you know, yes, he's never won a playoff game. He played in a really tough division as a starting quarterback for a long, long time and was the starting quarterback for a very relevant team in one of the best divisions in football over like a four- or five-year span there in the AFC North. So Andy Dalton to and me, uh, yeah, he's one of those guys is – a fringe starter if he's your starter you're sitting there going oh I think we can get somebody better uh certainly but if he's your backup you're going man I don't know if there's a better backup in football Dalton has starter type ability in some ways of his game and I think that's exciting so yeah I think Eddie Dalton being you know talented tough battle tested he's he's my guy
1: and we talk about the value he brings to the Cowboys in the event that they can't get a deal done with Dak Prescott by July 15. And Prescott exercises his prerogative to stay away from training camp, to stay away from the preseason. Dalton is the guy who can take over and replace the starting quarterback. And some would say, well, why would Dak Prescott hold out of training camp in the preseason if he can't sign a long-term deal after July 15?" You still can sign a one-year deal with more money, or with a promise that they won't use the franchise tag on you next year. So there is a reason, uh, a business reason, to hold out if you are Dak Prescott, and you lose no money. You you don't get fined. It's okay because you're not under contract. All right, we have to take a break. When we return, we will finish our draft of the best draft backup quarterbacks in the NFL. More PFT Live coming at you right after this. In this week's Football Morning in America column, Peter King takes you inside a virtual team meeting with the Chargers offensive line. He also talks to A.J. Hawk about why the current climate may not help Aaron Rodgers' relationship with his head coach, Matt LaFleur. Check that out at ProFootballTalk.com. Dot com. And on we go to round three of the draft of the best backup quarterbacks in the NFL. So far, I've got Taysom Hill and Case Keenum. Chris has Nick Foles and Andy Dalton. Round three for me. I'm thinking about going back to the New Orleans well, Chris. I'm really thinking about it. But you know what? Jameis Winston with the 30 interceptions. Hey, there's a reason he's not a starter anymore. The 30 interceptions, I don't think I can do it. I'm going to go with a guy who I think fits perfectly What a backup needs to be, especially in this year of transition with the New England Patriots. Give me Brian Hoyer. Brian Hoyer has perfected the art of being a backup. He knows the Josh McDaniel system. He can step in in a moment's notice, and he can help Jared Stidham get best prepared to do exactly what you've been saying. You and I are on the same page on this. We may not be on the same page on a lot of things. We're on the same page on this. The Patriots are going to prove that the Patriot way works. And the Patriot way works by going next man up with Stidham and then bringing back, as they did, Brian Hoyer, who knows that Patriot way inside and out. So, look, if he was on any other team, I wouldn't have thought about him. But on the Patriots, it lines up perfectly. Hoyer deserves a spot on this list, Chris.
0: Well, I mean, yeah, you're right, Mike. I mean, he knows that offense inside and out. He saw, you know, the greatest person to ever orchestrate or run that offense do it for a long, long time in Tom Brady. Hoyer's played a ton of football, whether that's in Cleveland or San Francisco or even last year with the Colts coming in and doing a solid job. It kind of fell off at the end there. But certainly, you know, again, Brian Hoyer is one of those guys, when you see him out on the field and you see him throwing in pregame warm-ups, you go, ooh he's a little bit bigger of a human than I thought. Ooh, man, he's got a little stronger arm than I thought. Ooh, he's a better athlete than I thought. So from that standpoint, he is a very good backup quarterback. Now, I think you missed some better ones out there. I think I would have taken, and I'm going to take Marcus Mariota because Marcus Mariota, I think is a fringe starting type quarterback. And that'll be my third round pick. He has won some playoff games or won one playoff game, but you know, like you said with Brian Hoyer, too, you know, just has the right way about him as a human and as a as a player in person to be a good backup, like we saw him last year with the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, he got benched, but he was the good soldier sitting there behind Ryan Tannehill. They infused him into a few games here and there and, you know, let him wet his beak a little bit with certain plays and had a little package for him. Uh, but I think he's the perfect backup for any team. You know, one, because he has athletic ability to rely on. He's got experience. He's got size. And, you know, he's got a lot of other good attributes, again, that make him that fringe slash, you know fringe starting quarterback slash backup quarterback in football. But I don't think this is the last we heard of Marcus Mariota. He gets a chance to play with the Raiders and show something good. He might be a starter once again.
1: Yeah, and, and if not, if not, because it's just a one-year deal for Mariota, $7.5 yeah. million dollars with the Raiders, he will be the perfect backup in 2021 if the guy that I picked first ends up being the starter in New Orleans because you need a backup who can run the offense that they construct for Taysom Hill and I think that Mariota of all the options out there would be the best guy to come in and be Taysom Hill's backup what do you think of that
0: yes I I think it makes a lot of sense it does you know we talk about this a lot where if you're going to run a certain offense you don't want the backup quarterback to come in the game and all of a sudden you go oh, we can't run the offense we've been practicing all through training camp and the first seven weeks of the season, and we have to change our identity as a football team. You know, that makes no sense. So, yeah, that would make a lot of sense in a lot of ways and protect a guy like Sean Payton to go, okay, if the wheels did fall off with a Taysom Hill or he got injured, you know, Mariota's got a lot of experience in big games and knows how to play the position. Other guys
1: I had on my list: RG three, who yeah. are, look he he fits the Ravens' offense. I just don't know what he really has left in the tank. In Philly, Nate Sudfeld, Jalen Hurts. I don't know which of the two guys I would have Matt chosen, Moore. but Matt Moore's unsigned. He's unsigned.
0: Damn, He's not I, on I the didn't Chiefs. even realize that. I thought yeah, he was still on the Chiefs, so I was wrong no, there. Okay, Jacoby Brissett's it's it's another one I look at.
1: Yeah, Chad Henney and Jordan Tom, who are the two options in Kansas City. So, I, you know, I guess anyone out there who's looking for a quarterback, maybe you want to give Matt Moore a call. He's available. Seriously. You know, the Bengals need one now, Chris. Hey, look, I know how you feel about Blake Bortles, but somebody asked me over the weekend, who should the Bengals' backup be, Ryan Finley or someone else? Like, well, Blake Bortles knows that offense because he was with the Rams last year. It's the same offense that Zach Taylor's running in Cincinnati.
0: Would you be yes, comfortable I, with I, Bortles
1: as the backup to
0: Joe well, Burrow? It would really scare me in the fact that the Rams didn't want to sign Blake Bortles. That would scare me. You know, a one-year yeah. deal with a guy who just was in the AFC Championship game a few years ago, that would tell me they saw something this year Would go, Damn, if he gets in the game, I'm not so sure I like our chances. So I'm not so sure what happens with Blake Bortles.
1: All right, we got to go. When we return, some of your reaction to Chris's lack of Star Wars knowledge. More PFT Live after this. <laughs> Oh,
0: no. Here we go.
1: So I had made it clear last night I wanted none of the May the 4th be with you crap in today's show. So as soon as the show started, Chris Sims hits me with May the 4th be with you, at which point I said name four Star Wars characters, and he failed. He said Luke, Chewie, Layla, Layla, and then he gave up. So there's been some reactions on Twitter Uh, And this one is probably the best. He couldn't even come up with Darth freaking Vader.
0: (laughs) Thank you,
1: Moses 4708, one of the most notorious villains in cinematic history, in American history. And you didn't know Darth
0: Vader, Chris? I would have got there. I don't know what I was. I got so messed up with Layla. Okay, I couldn't figure (laughs) out what's going. That doesn't (laughs) sound right. Who the hell is Layla? I couldn't figure it out. So, (laughs) Yeah. Oh, what an Another great <laughs> one. Another
1: great insight from Jay Bruska, fifty-five. What character did Dustin Hoffman play in Star Wars? Which is a very obscure reference to a Seinfeld episode in which Todd Gack finagled a date that really wasn't a date with Elaine by having a bet that Dustin Hoffman Hoffman was in Star Wars. Oh, so check that out went out over, that. over my head because I was like, man, Dustin Hoffman was in Star Wars episode. Check that one out. Check us out tomorrow, everybody. Have a great right. day. See ya. You good. Treat Dad to the good stuff at Nordstrom Rack and save big. Father's Day is Sunday, June 16th, and Nordstrom Rack's got gifts Dad will love up to 60% off. Shirts, activewear, watches, cologne, denim, and more. Find amazing deals on Tommy Bahama, Cole Haan, Original Penguin, and Vince. Great brands, great prices. So get to your Nordstrom Rack store now and make Dad's Day with gifts up to 60% off.
0: Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best.